Hey, welcome home. I'm Jeremy Pearsons, and you are watching Legacy Television. You know, at the beginning of all these broadcasts, uh, my wife, Sarah, and I, we always say, welcome home. And that's for a couple of reasons. Number one, you are actually in our home. This is where we live. And, uh, you know, if you could see around you, there's quite a mess. This looks really good, but around you, it's, it's, it may look a lot like your home. Uh, but we also say that because that's what we want you to feel like you're in. Uh, we want you to feel like you're at home, at home in the Word of God, at home. We're having a conversation about Jesus here. We're talking about the Lord. We're talking about the things we love. But we also want you to realize that you are at home in the household of faith. That's who we are. That's what we are. And that's really what this is. It's more than just the place we live. It's more than just a house or a home. It is the household of faith. We are a part of the household of faith. And of course, that means being a part of the body of Christ, the global family of God. But many of you watching this broadcast, you're probably a lot like me, and you probably hear those words maybe in a, in a different way or an additional way. It's kind of like a family within a family. Um, you were born into a family, raised in a family, and maybe at some point you moved out and you got married and you have kids. Well, now you have your own family and you're a family within a larger family. Well, that's kind of how I understand the family of faith a little bit. That's, that's what I grew up in was uh, a family that that thought about the word faith in maybe a little bit different light than the rest of the world, certainly, but even differently than the rest of the body of Christ might have thought about it. Faith for us was and is a way of life. And we'll get into more of that and, and you'll, you'll come to learn that about us in these broadcasts, but um, we want you to know that you are welcome in the household of faith. There's a place for you in this family. The scripture tells us that God sets the solitary in a family. You've been set in a family. You don't have to live alone. You are at home. Here, you are at home in the family of faith. So when we say welcome home, we mean it. Let's pray today. We'll get right into the word of God. Father, we do love you. We do worship you and we thank you for loving us. We thank you for Jesus, the word made flesh. And as we come before your word today, I'm asking you, Lord, for eyes that see Jesus, ears that hear his voice, and hearts that understand who Jesus is in us and who we are in him. We give you praise and thanks for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to get into the word and start something today that I think is going to carry us over the next several weeks uh, as we study the word together. So if you've got a Bible there with you, or maybe you're looking at your Bible on your phone or your, your iPad or whatever, I want you to see this out of the book of Matthew chapter 13. Go with me to Matthew 13. And let's begin reading in verse one. We're gonna read several verses here. And if you don't have a Bible, these uh, verses will be on the screen. Matthew 13, verse one, it says, on the same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the sea. Now, I won't take a long time with that, but that's really one of my favorite scriptures, especially around vacation time, when you believe in God to go away somewhere nice, you have scripture for it right here. Jesus walked out of the house and sat by the sea. Anyway, moving on. Verse two, great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, or look, I want you to see something. A sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched and because they had no root, they withered away. 
Verse seven, and some fell among thorns and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But look at verse eight, others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some 60 and some 30. Then Jesus says in verse nine, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus, as he did often, preached to these people in a parable. And if, I think if you go back and study, you're going to find out that this is kind of the granddaddy parable. This is kind of the one that started the whole parable ministry. As a matter of fact, we'll see this later on in our study, but the disciples came to Jesus and said, why are you talking to them in parables? And Jesus went on to explain the parable, but he said, if you don't understand this one, how are you going to understand any of them? So what that means to us is there are keys within what Jesus is saying to us here that unlock mysteries in the things of God. There are keys and revelation knowledge in what he said to us that will shed light on problems, that will shed light on issues, that will bring answers to questions. So it's important not only just to hear the words of Jesus, yes, of course, but specifically in this study, there are truths and foundational things that mean so much. I mean, everything, if you will, to our walk with the Lord. Now, like I said, he's going to go on in the verses that come to explain this and help it make sense. But, but just let what he said begin right now to paint a picture for you. He talked about a sower who went out to sow some seed. And he said that this guy essentially reached into that seed bag and started casting seed. And he said, some of that seed fell on, what was the first one? Wayside ground. He said, some of that seed fell on stony ground. Some of that seed fell among the thorns. Now, the interesting thing to me is every time in those first three instances that those seeds got planted or got thrown or they fell where they did, every time, none of it produced anything. In other words, when it fell on that wayside, he said the birds came and devoured it. When it fell on the stony ground, he said it, it, it penetrated a little bit, but it couldn't take root and the sun scorched it and it withered away. When it fell among the thorns, it was choked and it couldn't produce anything. Three times this seed, and, and you need to understand this, that every time that was planted, it was the same seed. So the same seed that was planted over here was the seed that was planted over here was the seed that was planted over here. And every time it got planted for the first three times, it failed to produce anything. It didn't work. I said it didn't work. Now, if you didn't know anything about seeds or agriculture, you know, like me or most of us watching this, you might get the impression that there's something wrong with this seed. You might start thinking to yourself, and, and rightly so, you know, if you don't know about any of this stuff, you, would, you might draw the, the conclusion that something's wrong with this seed. You might take that seed bag back to the store and say, hey, you sold me some bad seed, but it didn't stop there. It said some of that seed went on to fall on good ground. And when it fell on good ground, it took root, it sprouted, it grew, it bared fruit, some a hundredfold, some 60, some 30. Here's the point. The moment that seed produced, then you know right then and there, nothing's wrong with this seed. The moment it actually works, you can draw the conclusion, nothing wrong with this seed. 
Now, the reason I say that is because Jesus is going to go on a few verses down and he's going to tell his disciples and anybody there listening, he said, the sower sows the word. He said, the seed was the word of God. That's why the scripture tells us that we're born again, not with corruptible seed, but by incorruptible seed, which is the word of God, which lives and abides forever. The seed is the word. And so when you go back and look at this and you think three out of four times the word got planted, the seed got sown, and it did not work. I, I remember several years ago reading this and it, and it kind of startling me a little bit. I've, I've kind of grown up hearing it. You know, you're familiar with this parable a little bit, but you got to put yourself in my shoes, if you will, for a moment. I'm, here I am, like I said a moment ago, born into this household of faith, man. I mean, in my house growing up, it was the word in the morning. It was the word at noon. It was the word when you went to sleep at night. We lived by the word. We walked by the word. We talked by the word of God. If we needed something, we went to the word. And as a young child, I remember going to mom and dad saying, I need this or I want that, whatever it was. And over and over and over again, the answer came back to me, what does the word say? Well, let's go find out what the word says, Jeremy. What's the word say about that? particularly if you come in one night and you say, dad, mom, I'm not feeling good. That was not the time we just laid down and took sickness or took pain and just accepted it. No, we went straight to the word. Jeremy, what does the word say about your healing? See, what I'm trying to say to you is our whole lives revolved around the word. So when I read the words of Jesus and I hear him say, I mean, this is out of the mouth of the man himself. I hear him say, that the word got planted four times and it only worked once, that's startling to me. That wakes me up. That makes me want to find out why wasn't the word able to produce over here and over here and over here? What kept it from working 75% of the time? You know, there's so many people. I've said it. There are many people saying it today. It's not working. And really that's the motto of frustration. When people are frustrated, that's what they're saying. That's what they say so much of the time. It's not working. Frustration sets in when you have an expectation of whatever it is. You have an expectation and it's way up here, but then reality occurs. And for whatever reason, your experience is way down here. And it's that space between expectation and experience that tries to breed frustration in anybody's life. And when that occurs, most often they'll look at that and say, it's not working. Why isn't it working? And how many times have I heard people say, have I even said it myself, why isn't this working? I've been grown up to, to, to live and believe that the word works. We're told that it works. We're told that if you go to the word for your healing, it works. We're told that if you go to the word for your provision, it works. And yet there's so many people living a life, experiencing it not working and they're frustrated. It's not working. And that's why I want to begin something today, like I said, that I believe is going to carry us over the next several weeks. And we're going to answer this question from the words of Jesus, the question that I've asked and you may be asking today, why isn't it working? 
Jesus wants to answer this question for you. And then let me just start by saying this. Let me tell you what the answer is not. The answer is not, well, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. The answer is not, it works for some and not for others. If you've been told that, or if you have believed that, you need to stop believing it today because that's not the answer. But Jesus wants to answer this question for us. I remember being a kid, uh, probably around, seems like maybe third or fourth grade. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. It stands out in my memory so much. It came science fair project time uh, at the school that I was going to, little kid, maybe, like I said, third, fourth grade, something like that. And you kind of got to understand that in the household I grew up in, and, and many of you are familiar with uh, the family I come from, uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland are my grandparents, George and Terry Pearson's mom and dad, you know, and pastor in churches and preaching on television and have been for decades. This is the house I was born in, man. So when it came time to science, we did things maybe a little differently than, than the rest of the kids in the class. When everybody else was building, you know, uh, solar powered this, that, and the other, and little volcanoes that erupted, uh, Science in my house, I think this was probably mom's idea. We said our science project was going to be this. I'm going to take two plants. And what we're going to do is we're going to feed these plants the same amount of water, the same amount of food, the same amount of sunlight. But what we're going to do is we're going to speak good words over one plant and we're going to speak negative words over another one. And we're going to watch the effect of our words on these plants. And of course, the whole theory and hypothesis here was that life and death were in the power of the tongue. See, we do science just a little bit different in the household of faith, but this was the science project. And uh, mom and dad helped me with it. You know, we take little pictures. Here's a picture of me looking all sweet and kind over one plant. And there's another picture of me with my finger pointed and saying negative words over the other one. We wrote out the confessions for both of them. And we set them day after day after day after day. And I remember at one point during the project when it was getting closer and closer to time that I had to turn this thing in, I'm looking at these two plants and I don't see any difference yet. And I remember going to mom and saying, mom, it's not working. Notice how young that frustration tries to set in. It's not working. I said, mom, it's not working. And I remember she looked back at me and said, Jeremy, yes, it is. And I said, mom, no, it's not. It's not working. Look, they look just the same. There's no difference. It's not working. It's not working. And every time I said, it's not working, she'd look back at me and say, yes, it is. And I'd say, no, it's not. And she'd say, yes, it is. And her version of the story, I started crying and I'm saying, mom, no, it's not working. It's not working. I'm afraid I'm going to fail or get a bad grade. And I remember she looked back at me and she said, Jeremy, yes, it is. And when you hear her tell the story, it's great. She said, it was like watching this little light bulb go on over my head. And I look back at her and say, oh, you're confessing it's working. But I remember even being that age 
feeling that frustration. Of course, the story goes on from that point forward. It's like I got the revelation, maintained my confession. And by the time I turned it in, there was one plant that was growing and thriving. There was another one that was beginning to wilt and leaves were turning yellow and it was looking sad and sorry. And I get a first place blue ribbon invited to go on to the next level of you know science fair, whatever that was in the fourth grade. But it worked. It worked. My point to you though is this, even as a kid at a young age, you start getting that sense of something not working and you wish that it was. And if you're not watchful over that, that will hang around in your life year after year after year. And it's not third graders who are frustrated with their faith. It's not them alone. Man, it's people in their 20s, their 30s, 40s, 50s, and on up, up, up. People who are experiencing frustration, having heard the word, but not experiencing in their lives what Jesus said it was able to do. And what I want to do in the few moments that we have left on this broadcast and on the broadcast in the weeks to come, I want to get into the word of God and find out why isn't it working because Jesus gives us the answer. Everything that the word of God is able to do, that's what he wants it to do in your life. We already said we're saved by the seed. There's salvation in that seed. There's redemption in that seed. There's restoration in that seed. There's recovery in that seed. There's healing and prosperity and deliverance and peace and joy and love. And it's all in that seed. When you go out and you look at a towering tree that stands so high in the sky, and it's amazing to think that that whole thing at one time existed in a seed. That's the miracle of the seed. So if all of that is in the seed, why aren't so many people experiencing it? Well, let's find out from Jesus why. He goes on later in this chapter to explain the parable, but before he can even get there, he says in verse 10, Matthew 13, when the disciples came to him and said, why do you speak to them in parables? He answered and said to them, because it has been given. We'll read on, but I want you to make note of this right now. Jesus said, it has been given. If you can, I want you to highlight that word given or do something that makes it stand out in your thinking. He said, it's been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. For whoever has to him more will be given and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, hearing you will hear and will not understand. Seeing you will see and not perceive for the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing and their eyes, he said, they have closed lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. Jesus is saying so much in this, but he's talking about people, the vast majority of people that are standing out there that day. He's saying, look, to you guys, to his disciples, he's saying, you, it's been given. The mystery's been given to you. And when you see that word given, you need to know right away that there is some level of grace in operation because that's what grace is. Grace is a gift. 
Grace is anything that comes as a gift from God to you through Jesus. And he's saying, you have been given a gift and not everybody's got that gift yet, he's saying. He's saying, these people, they see, but they don't see. They hear, but they don't hear. He went on in verse 16 to say to his disciples, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For assuredly, I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Jesus is saying there's a difference between what you see and what they saw. Uh, The picture that comes to mind, some of you may remember this, I remember from my childhood, teenage years, you would go to a store or something and there'd be wherever they would keep the posters. You could buy posters for your room. You might remember this. And there were these posters that were kind of a big fad way back. And you look at it, it just looks like a bunch of colors and shapes and it didn't really look like anything in particular. But the theory was if you stood there and looked at this thing long enough and you looked just the right way, that all of a sudden out of it would come this three-dimensional image of a you know, a horse or a race car or a rocket ship or something like that. And I remember standing there for so long trying to make myself see whatever they said I was supposed to see. And you're standing there looking at it and your eyes are crossing and you're, you know, starting to lose consciousness. And some kid walks past you and goes, oh, look, a horse. You know, he sees it. Well, the difference is, you know, you're both sitting there looking at the same thing, but only one of you sees it. And that's what Jesus was saying was happening. Hopefully that makes sense to you. That's what Jesus was saying was happening out there that day. Everybody saw Jesus, but precious few saw Jesus. But he said to his disciples, your eyes are blessed because you see me. What the prophets of old wanted to see, you see it. What they were longing to hear, you hear it. And Proverbs chapter 20, verse 12, in the New Living Translation says, Both ears that hear and eyes that see, both of these are a gift from God. Why is that a gift? It's a gift because when you see Jesus and you hear his voice, you then possess the same ability that he possessed when he lived and walked on this earth. He said, I don't say anything that I don't hear my father say. I don't do anything that I don't see my father do. That's one of the greatest gifts you and I have or that we could ever be given. Why isn't the word working in your life? Well, you've got to go back to the basics. When you look at the word, do you see Jesus? When you look at a problem, do you have the ability to stop looking at that and get your eyes on him? When you've got pressure coming against you from all sides, do you have the ability to shut that off, quit listening to that, go to the word and listen to the voice of your good shepherd? This is the key to all of it right here. The key to the word working in your life is the recognition that Jesus is the word made flesh. And when you see him, you see your answer. I'm already out of time on this broadcast, but I don't want you to forget about that time. It was really just a chapter or so after this. Jesus comes walking to the disciples on the water. Peter says, if that's you, tell me to come. Jesus said, come on. And Peter got out of the boat but he quit looking at Jesus and he started looking at the waves. He started looking at the wind. And when he did, he began to sink. I'm gonna tell you, whatever you're looking at, you're getting something from it. 
And if your eyes are on Jesus, you're getting his strength. If your eyes are on Jesus, you're getting his faith. But if your eyes are on the problem, you're getting its weakness. You're getting its failure and you will sink. Today, put your eyes on Jesus. Come back to the foundation of it all and say, Jesus, my eyes are on you. My attention is on you. Speak. I'm listening. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith. 